The idea of job security is outdated as a landline. If you haven't been in a search for a while, it's probable you will at some point, by choice or not. Most executives admit to staying way too long or sense what's coming and justify staying anyway. Here, there's another reason. The faulty belief that navigating to what's next will inevitably be worse and has to suck. Screw that. Lauren Greif has spent a lifetime in corporate and executive search, calling bullshit on stale career advice that most still use. This is Career Blast in a Half, the career podcast for executives ready to cut past outdated career advice to fuel your outcomes now. So let's go. I've been following somebody and they're finally here. I've wrangled him in. I don't know what it's like for you when you find somebody on LinkedIn and you start consuming content at such a voracious pace. It's always leaving me hungry for more. And I scratch my head and I want to know, how does this guy do this? Every single post, one after the other, is a culmination of unbelievable research, simple and clear visual visualization, whether data, whether it's aggregating content, whether it's his fresh perspective. There's so much that goes into content storytelling. And today we have Josue Valdez here and he's coming from Mexico City. And we've been back and forth a couple of times. And um, to his credit, he actually said, hey, by the way, you know, I'm sorry it didn't work out. Let's, let's get back on track. So sometimes it's just the little things that tell you so much about a person. And I'm just so happy that you're here today, Josue. Thank you so much for joining Career Blast in the Half. And what I would love for you to start off with is the piece about who you are. And really, I mean, I know that you've been writing content on LinkedIn for a relatively short time, but in that period, you are now 70,000 followers. So bring us up to speed in your clear and concise way of how you stumbled across becoming the mad content scientist. Yeah, sure. So first of all, thank you for having me. It's a great opportunity and I appreciate the, the time. I appreciate all you do. So I started my career back in 2013 or so. I started as a freelance writer. So I started writing content for, for companies. I started uh, writing reviews of Apple products and tech products. And eventually, companies liked what I was doing. And I started working for big brands in the marketing space, at least, like Neil Patel. Client Boost, which is a renowned agency, marketing agency. I started working for, for big brands, but I wanted to do more with that. So I, wa- I was not really enjoying the process because I have never considered myself a writer. So I was doing it because it was what I was good at, but I don't consider myself a writer. I really enjoyed the the um, process of distilling ideas 
for different levels of awareness. That's why that's what I enjoy doing the most. So I was trying to find some ways to to make more money so I could do what I really like doing. And I started an e-commerce business. I borrowed money from my dad and lost it like in the first three months. <laughs> so I realized I had to to really level up and learn learn marketing and sales. So I uh, started studying marketing, sales, copywriting, all that stuff, and started using that knowledge for my e-commerce business. And I started seeing results. Things started to improve. I was running ads back then for my e-commerce store, and using that knowledge, I uh, made like 200K in six months or so. So everything changed in that regard. And eventually I had to stop doing that e-commerce thing and uh, started the freelance thing again, but now with a copywriting focus. I didn't want to use write content. I want to combine marketing and content to get results for clients. So I did that for five, six years or so. And I started noticing that the industry was changing. The content industry was changing because in 2015, 2016 or so, everything was about blogging. So people had blogs and companies had blogs and all that stuff. But everything started to evolve and was becoming more platform native, like People and companies started publishing content on Twitter and LinkedIn, on all those platforms. And uh, blogs started to become less relevant. They, they still play a role, but in a different way. So I decided to start playing with those platforms. I started publishing on LinkedIn. I published like three or four times and gave up. Or wait, 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 wait! You gave up like, three <laughs> but, or four times. I, I mean, I have to just raise my hand here because this is so common, right? Yeah. I have like, why do people, even you, who who had all this runway in the content business, why did you give up? What What was the signal or the the thought that said this is not going to work? And I really want to ask you this because one of the things that you exemplify on so many levels is the notion and the practice of resiliency. And so if you were giving up, what made you give up and what made you want to come back and try it again? Yeah, so at a conscious level, you you understand that you know that you need to continue publishing and you understand that it's a long-term thing, but when you start doing it and you get no response at all, it's so emotionally devastating, if that makes sense. So when I started publishing on LinkedIn the first time, yeah, I, I thought like, no, that this is not my thing, or maybe I'll try... Um, 
on another platform, things like that. So I did that for, yeah, published like four to five times, gave up, uh, continued doing my, my thing for clients. But then I decided to, to start again, but I committed to doing it for six months nonstop. So I made that commitment with myself, but decided to take a different approach this time. Instead of just publishing content on isolation, I decided to treat each post like an experiment, like a test. So I decided to take a, a scientific approach to content creation where every post could be like a hypothesis and I will analyze results for each post. So I literally grabbed a, a notebook and, and wrote experiment one. And it was like my first post. Like, okay, this will be my experiment one. And every post since then is experiment two, experiment three, four, five. No, I'm at like experiment 500 or something like that. And oh, the first time I realized I had something good was um, when one of my experiments really got great results. I decided to, uh, one of my experiments was called like tributes. I will create tributes for people I admire. So I created. Tributes. Oh yeah. I've seen them, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I created uh, like a collection of Justin Welsh's top 100 posts. I literally analyzed all the content Justin published over the last few years and created this collection. And it worked pretty well. It was the first time one of my posts got up a thousand likes or something like that. But the thing is that since I was really collecting all this information from this ex from my experiments, I was able to replicate the results over and over again. And over time, I built this library of successful experiments that now I can replicate. Then, so... I'm not going to have you give away your scientific secrets. I promise you that. <laughs> but what I am going to ask you is the average Jane or the average Joe, or they're not going to measure this, right? You're a content creator. This is your main meal. But what I mean by that is because you were able to see where the success patterns were, Things started to change and you started to build a following with all, you know, what is in your now recipe book or, you know, your, your vault of, of success stories. But what I really want to know when it comes to this is while you were going through this, some people will say, do not get distracted by the vanity metrics, right? Do not focus on your likes. Do not focus on this. Do not focus on that. So how do you, how do you make peace? With the fact that, you know, you never know who's watching, which is true, right? You never know who's watching. I get reach outs all the time and I'm like, I've never seen this person. You know, where did they find me? And getting really granular 
about measuring all this stuff because like I said, most of the people that are listening right now, you job seeker executive, we get it. You're not going to be doing experiment one, experiment two, experiment three. So what can they do to see where they are making gradual improvement? I guess they don't necessarily have to collect all this data, but they should compare themselves with themselves, if, th if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So compare, your, compare yourself with where you was one month ago, two months ago, and you will notice you're making progress, but you need to have that point of reference because if you don't measure anything, you won't have a, a clue whether you're progressing or not. Totally. And when you say measuring, are you are you using a, a third party? Are you using Shield? Are you using LinkedIn? Are you using um, authored up? How are you actually measuring? Are you measuring the reactions, the likes, the engagement? Are you dividing the number of comments by the overall impressions to give you, you know, that percentage? How how could somebody like a layperson actually do this to have the evidence to say, yeah, like I'm moving the needle. Yeah. Engagement obviously is not the ultimate goal. Uh, if you are uh, doing this for your business, obviously you, you want clients and you want traction in that regard, but engagement and impressions and all that stuff are like small signals of progress. So you can, you can start and you should start measuring those. Uh, I only use LinkedIn for doing that. I don't use any third-party tool. Uh, LinkedIn mm, works very well, measuring the impressions, the likes, the engagements you get. And you should start with those. You start measuring uh, how many impressions your posts are getting, uh, how many likes, how many followers per post. So you can LinkedIn helps you measure and understand how many followers are you getting each day. So for example, if you post something today and you got 100 followers and the next day you post something and get 200 followers, you know what kind of posts attract more followers than others. Good. So you can understand what type of content really resonates with your audience just based on that. Again, obviously you need to measure whether you're getting leads and all that stuff, but that's another topic. Um, you can start by that. So I have to say, as great as your content is, your visual storytelling is over the top. Like either written words are great, but the presentation in where in which you are able to take very large, oftentimes very complex ideas and simplify them is like a mind blower. So of course, we'll include Josue's LinkedIn link in the show notes. But you use these tools that you and I take for granted, carousels, visual proverbs, one-pagers. Explain to us why these tools that are available and very easy to use, why those are such winning strategies to be able to not only develop content, but as I said before, be able to capitalize on both dwell time, which is the time that people are actually watching and sticking to your content, which is part of how they measure how LinkedIn um, 
measures your your activity and your profile, value of your content, but also in being able to get people engaged, involved, and very importantly, coming back. So talk to us about those elements. I think you don't even need any tool to start creating really engaging content. For example, I know a few a few people could just uh, draw things on a notebook, take uh, a picture, a photo with, with their cell phone, upload it, and it gets a lot of engagement because what matters is the idea behind the post. Uh, the, the aesthetics and all that stuff matter, but don't, that, don't matter that much. What really matters is the idea behind what you're trying to communicate. So if you are just starting and don't know where to start, start by grabbing a notebook and draw your ideas in there. And when I say draw, I really mean it. So just start uh, scribbling uh, your thoughts and trying to turn those into maybe visuals that everybody understands. And you can just use uh, like geometric shapes, uh, sticky uh, stick figures and simple stuff like that. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I think what you're saying is don't overthink it, right? Yeah. Don't overthink it. Start small. Get yourself some visuals that, that may make sense to you. And again, you don't need to go hog wild with you know all these tips and tricks and tools, but to really convey the essence of the idea is is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I want to ask you about this because honestly, I have yet to engage with an executive in their job search who didn't meet us with resistance to developing content, and. Sometimes I hear, you know, ooh, that would be a professional, or can I say this? Like they're asking for permission. Or, you know, what if I look stupid? Or I don't have anything to add to those comments. I really don't know what value-added comments are. So help us understand how content can work as a personal branding accelerator how it can work as a catalyst for your thought leadership and how it helps you in terms of being able to cut through a whole lot of noise and clutter that is, you know, within the world of LinkedIn now close to a billion people in that audience. So give us, give us either some examples or some rationale for what they're missing out on. Thank years ago or. 15 years ago, education, information, all that was centralized. So you could go to a blog to learn something new. You could go to, to a specific place, a specific website to get information from trusted sources. Uh, you will watch a TV show or things like that. But things are changing. Now, people don't do that anymore. No, they are looking for other people to learn from. People with similar perspectives, similar ideas, similar 
philosophies of, of the world, and they're, they're looking for people like them. And when you publish your ideas on platforms like LinkedIn, you need to be yourself because of that, because you will attract people like yourself. And even if you are in a professional environment, or even if you are doing this for business, adding that personality to, to the content you publish will help you attract clients that share similar perspectives on life. And they don't teach this in, on, in marketing. They tell you that, okay, fo focus on your ICP, your ideal customer profile, create a, an avatar, um, people from this age and in, these, in these industries. But they miss this piece of something more like this self-actualization piece of, of the human condition. That makes, uh, when you use that to create your ICPs, your customer profiles, your content will be much better because you will be talking to something deeper than use them, them superficial topics. Because everyone, your customers, even when they're looking for solutions, they're doing so because of something deeper. They doing X because they want Y. And for example, if they are looking to for a software to close more deals, yeah, but why do they want to close more deals? Maybe they need more money to spend more time with their families and they want to spend more time with their families because they feel alone or I don't know. But when you understand those deeper levels of of awareness of your audience, you can create content that that's much more targeted. And that's why you don't need to be afraid of adding personality or really sharing your, your ideas, what you believe, because when you do that, you will attract the people you want to attract. And your content will be much different than what everybody else is doing because of that alone. So I want to, this is perfect because what I want to do, you primarily are working with business owners and driving clients. Our audience listening now, and thank you for listening, are people that want to attract their buyer and their buyers are going to be hiring managers, decision makers, people that can refer them to A plus opportunities people who are part of their industry or maybe the industry that they're looking to break into next. And so I think that what you're saying here is you can write all day long, right? You can write it, but if you are tapped into the genuine voice and your original voice, then you are including a secret sauce that is going to supersede a lot of the words themselves, right? It's like the words can be there. It's not just about writing the content. It's really about evoking the emotion. And I just want to say thank you because you, sh you shared that with me. And that made me feel like, oh, wow, like it is like you can feel my heart in my, it, through my content. And that, and that really is something that 
anybody can do if they really tap into it. So I think that that's hopefully a powerful reassurance that it's really important that if this is an area that you are so passionate, I love it when people say, I'm so passionate about it. I'm like, I want to feel it, right? Don't tell me you're passionate. Like, make me feel that you're passionate. <laughs> so go ahead and let, let it rip. Yeah, exactly. I want to talk about something that you specialize in as well as a partner to visual storytelling. And we call yeah, them mental we, models. Yeah, of course. So mental models are one of your areas of expertise. And so you talked about, you know, writing down these things. Can you think of any mental models that may be very helpful for those of us who are working in the career space, working uh, if you are a job seeker, if you are thinking about mental models, I know, I don't know if you know Liz Fosleen. She does some incredible work. I'll make sure that you see it. Oh, yeah. She works at, yeah. So um, then I don't know if, yeah, I think that there are a lot, a lot of mental miles, of course, Ben Veer and a bunch of other uh, content creators who do some really excellent jobs. But tell us about the power of mental models and why it can be powerful for, for somebody in their job search. Yeah, sure. So basically, mental model is like a pattern of thought for decision making. So when you make decisions, you make them in a certain way because of mental models you have built. So for example, if someone that's an expert at something, they has, have developed certain mental models to make decisions, and that's why they're experts, because they make decisions in a certain way. So if they cool communicate how do, how they make those decisions that's a mental model if they communicate like uh in a really understandable way so if you if you can install those mental models from those people to use it use them when when you're making certain decisions you'll have similar results to them because of that make sense do you have a favorite mental model? Is there, do you have like a go-to mo- like mental model? I mean, as a mad content scientist, come on. I'm hoping that you do. <laughs> My favorite mental model is one from the book Essentialism. Have you read that book? I have not. Okay, it's Essentialism by Greg McKeown. And yeah, it's like doing less but better and it have a if you look for the book on google you'll you'll see that visual it's like uh two circles and one of the circles goes like in 20 directions and each of the arrows advances just a little bit and the other circle has just one arrow but focused on on one direction and it goes really really high you need to see that that um picture to really understand it but it means less but better just focus on on one thing and do it better and it's that's it 
It's my favorite mental model so far. Wow, we need a t-shirt, right? Yeah. <laughs> Essentialism t-shirts. I love it. <laughs> I um, I want to share that I have a mental model that is also my favorite. Are you familiar with the Jeff Bezos decision-making mental model? I I don't. I'm not. So the Jeff Bezos mental model is how he makes decisions and basically he fast forwards whatever is on the table to determine in another three or five years, I forget what the gap is, how much regret he would have if he didn't do it. So he re-engineers his thinking to his future self to say, oh, by the way, you know, what will, what will I miss out on if I don't do that? If it's not that big of a deal, he's like, okay, I'm not going to do it. If it's a big deal, he's going to be like, yeah, if, if I don't, you know, take this risk, if I don't, and that's how he made the decision to start Amazon. Because at the time he had everything that he quote unquote ever wanted. He had the salary, he was being promoted left and right, but he thought to himself, if I don't do this, in another three to five years, I'm going to be e-bowed that I didn't. Do. I, I love, love that because some people tell me that I'm a I'm a cliff diver, which means <laughs> I take a lot of risks and I jump. So um, maybe I got a little a little crazy with the Jeff Bezos mental model. <laughs> love it. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take this departure. And I'm going. to Take it easy on you. I'm going to give you three signature questions, and I think you may have answered one of them, but I'll also give you an opportunity to, to change your mind. So if somebody wanted to level up as you did and really improve their content game, like I'm telling you, like they're going to take the same six months and they're going to say, you know what, in six months, I'm going to start today either an experiment or through what you're going to recommend. What book might they read to address them today? Mastery by Robert Greene. No, no, no. And why? I think modern people have forgotten the importance of mastery. Like in in the 1500s, uh, there were like masters and apprentices and they will learn from from people actually doing the work rather than uh, from books or and things like that makes sense and so i think that adopting that approach to really master what you're doing become a master by learning by learning from masters we need more more of that in my opinion. So that book is really, really good. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I read it last year and it changed my perspective on a lot of things. I'm really excited because I, I always love like when people light up with their book recommendations and sure. I'm going to be making some, having some regel therapy after this. The next question is, tell me, please, tell me, what post-it should somebody put on their desk, maybe in the mornings uh, when we are 
you know, starting to think about content. I don't know if you write your content in advance. I wish I could say I did, but I don't. Um, what what would be that reminder that you would suggest? Less but better. Not yeah. the better. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. love it. That's the back of our essentialism t-shirt, right? Yeah. The first one says essentialism, the back says less but better. And lastly, do you have a walk-up song? Uh, I don't, honestly. Oh, can you make one up? What's a song that fires you up? Like that we're going to, when you, when you like get to whatever your next level of next levelness is, what are you going to want to listen to? <laughs> Probably Lose Yourself by Eminem. Okay. Lose Yourself by Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> so again, you guys make sure, and women, make sure that you follow Jose, Jose, I keep doing that, Jose. On LinkedIn, again, his link is in the chat below. But what I really, really want you to know is that this is somebody who's earnestly developing a level of mastery. And I just am so grateful for his example and his demonstration that this is not an overnight thing. And if you want to get good at it, you're going to need to keep on going and keep on going. And by the way, I've been writing content for three and a half years. Might not want to so my posts ever gone viral. So we should talk after this. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you everybody for listening and take away some of these mental models, take away some of the visual storytelling and take away most and must and must all your voice and let it, let it be out there so that people can find out who you are and your audience to really engage with you even before they meet you in So have a great one. We're going to stop recording. I'll talk to you guys next week. I love you. Thank you for joining today. We appreciate your listening ears. Big time. We ask this. Use these tools, not tomorrow, right now, and share them by spreading the love leaving us a rating and subscribe so you don't miss the next career blast in a half. Most of all, thank you for you.